I'm Tavis Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. Couldn't get that out. Um, glad to have you with us in hour two today. Um, what a day. What a day. What a day. What a weekend. Um, so many of you over the weekend, of course, after its release on Friday night, saw the uh, videotape beating death of Tyree Nichols and Memphis, and we talked a bit about that in the first hour. I'm going to talk a bit, about, a bit more about it right about now. On the back side of this hour, um, we'll talk about black Alaskans. You're going to learn something that you didn't know. I'm going to learn some stuff that I didn't know about the role that black folk have played in Alaska's history. Uh, so we'll talk about black Alaskans. Believe it or not, they do exist. Uh, that's on the back side of this hour, but we continue our conversation now talking about this videotaped beating death of uh, Tyree Nichols in um, in Memphis. Many of you have seen it. Uh, many of you uh, I've heard from have not had the stomach to watch it. Uh, and I understand that. Uh, but um, whether you've seen it or not seen it, um, we all know uh, the end result of what happened in Memphis. And the question in the days ahead is what happens now? Um, questions about how black people process this. Questions now about whether or not we will be seen, black folk, black cops as the face of police brutality in this country. Um, again, it's going to get much more complex in the days ahead. And ultimately, uh, the big question looms whether anything will be done. Uh, somebody once said, when all is said and done, will more have been said than done? Please be joined now uh, by Sonia Pruitt, no stranger to this program. Glad to have her back. She's former chair of the National Black Police Association and founder of the Black Police Experiment. Sonia Pruitt, uh, good to have you on. How are you today? Uh, I'm hanging in there. How are you? If if I complained, I'd be an ingrate, uh, as I often say. I mean that sincerely. I'm just grateful to be here um, on the one hand. On the other hand, I'd be lying uh, if I didn't say that this is disturbing on so many levels. Uh, and, um, again, we knew this tape was coming on Friday. And um, uh, the responses uh, in America have been all across um, the board. Uh, certainly inside of black America, there have been a variety of responses. Before I jump to some of those responses and um, and uh, drill down on that, uh, just give me your take. Give me your take on what you saw and uh, how you processed it. Mm. Well, I have not finished with the processing. Um, every time I talk about it, every time I, I view the video, and I have to view the video because I need to bear witness mm -hmm. because I need to talk about it with people. I see something different. I feel something different. I am, as the rest of the black community, I am dismayed. I am hurt. Um, and But what really stands out for me is here we are again. Three years ago, George Floyd died. I'm sorry, he was murdered mm -hmm. at the knee of a white police officer. And now, three years later, we have a young, unarmed, from all accounts, kind, sweet, not a criminal of some sort. That's what they want to label him in certain areas. Um, just minding his own business, even if he was a criminal, minding his own business, <laughs> pulled from his car and beat until ultimately he died by five black police officers. That is a lot to swallow, and I feel like, I know I am, but I feel like all of us are going to be processing this for a very, very long time. We have still have trials to go through. Yeah. 
No, it's not going to be over anytime um, soon. Um, there's a great deal more to, uh, ground to cover here, and there'll be a great deal more conversation about it. Again, the question is whether or not, when the conversation stops, anything the action will actually start. Let me let me just let me ask this question directly. Um, given that you are a retired uh, officer, uh, retired retired captain, given that you're the former chair of the National Black Police Association, given that you are the founder of the Black Police Experiment, you you're deeply steeped in all of this. Um, how do other black cops, and again, I don't, I know you don't speak for all of them, but, but, but how do you think other black cops are feeling across the country right now, given what these black cops in Memphis did? I am pretty clear that, uh, many black cops feel betrayed mm. because although we, uh, some, some black police officers really love the profession for what it's, what it's supposed to stand for. And some black officers get very um, involved in policing. You know, they really believe in the code and everything. The ones that I've spoken to, uh, the groups that I'm in with black police officers, I have not heard anyone say anything, but they're getting what they deserve, but that they also are hurt because we're members of the community too, mm -hmm. despite having put on the uniform. Yeah. You know, the thing that I thought about, and Ben Crump said this um, days ago, that when we saw this videotape, excuse me, it would remind us of the Rodney King beating. Um, and obviously Rodney King didn't die from that beating, but I take Ben's point that it reminds you of what these cops did, these white cops did to Rodney King 30 years ago, that these black cops did 30 years later to, to Tyree Nichols. And so I take Ben's point about that. What 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 I've been processing uh, the last couple of days is simply this: Why chase? Here's my question: Why chase? It seems to me that in the Rodney King beating or in the Tyree Nichols beating, what happens is that these cops get really upset, and this is family radio, so I'm going to stick with the word upset. But they get really <laughs> upset. Not that I would say another word anyway, but the point is that you could go deeper, obviously. Um, you could be more uh, dramatic and exacting if you wanted to, but you take my point. These cops, black, yeah. white, or otherwise, get really upset when you make them chase you, when you make them have to run. Some of them ain't in the best shape, <laughs> let's be clear. You, you make them run, you make them follow you through the streets, you make them chase you. When you make them do what they shouldn't have to do, their blood pressure gets up, um, they, 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 they get all worked up in a variety of other ways. Um, and by the time they get to you, they just let loose on you. Um, uh, we, we, huh. we discussed in the first hour, um, that there's a white officer, a sixth officer, as you know, who's been relieved of duty. He's not been fired. He's not been charged, but relieved of duty. Uh, and he, uh, allegedly and reportedly said why he did not show up at the second scene where the, where the beating took place. The second scene, he wasn't there, but he did say at the first scene, we're told, uh, I hope they stomp him. I hope they essentially catch him and stomp him. So it's clear that when these cops finally get to you, you've made them go through all of this to get you. You know, they just, they, 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 they let loose on you. So my question is, if you can't control your emotions, if you know after the chase that you're going to lose it, and in this case, lose your job, perhaps lose your life, lose everything you've worked for. Uh, you may be in prison the rest of your life. You lose all that because you couldn't control yourself after a chase. 
The adrenaline gets going. I understand all of that. But if you know you can't control yourself, Sonia, why chase? Particularly when you it's, it's a routine traffic stop. You're not chasing some guy who just shot three people on a street corner somewhere. It's a routine traffic stop. Why engage the chase? Let the brother live another day. You live another day. And somebody will catch him at another time. But is it? But why be so intent about chasing someone when you know on the other end you can't control your own emotions because you're going to be so upset when you finally get to them? So, again, why chase? I mean, it's a simple question. Does it make sense to you? <laughs> it is a great question, as you always have. And it's for this reason it's a great question. And the reason why I wanted to speak to you and your audience. So um, there is something called noble cause corruption. Mm -hmm. It's where a police officer feels as though uh, the the ends justifies the means. I can do this because I'm out here for the greater good. And along with noble cause corruption is this thought that, um, and let's go back to slavery and Jim Crow, Mm -hmm. where Police officers were the authority trying to control our black bodies. And now we're in 2023. Uh, someone has told these young black police officers, you need to go into this neighborhood and clean it up. Whatever the, the actual issue was as far as crime was concerned in the neighborhood. And so now you have been anointed and you can use noble cause corruption. You wouldn't call it that as a police officer, mm-hmm. but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And you go in there with your control and your authority and your power, which outweighs anything about your blackness, even when you see another black man. Mm-hmm. And this person is not complying. That's why you always hear in these cases, well, they wouldn't comply. Well, Tyree Nichols actually was complying, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He had They had control of his body and his hands. So that gives the signal that this is so much greater than that. This is about power. It's about authority. It's about street justice rather than legal justice, because legal justice, the wheels just turn too slow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some psychology behind all of this. Let's talk more about the psychology when we come forward, more about the psychology, more about this notion of noble cause corruption and and, and perhaps have a conversation here briefly about whether or not we think that black folk wield power differently than white folk wield power do we wield power differently i mean most black folk don't have any real power let's call a spade a spade and so when you get some you get access to some do we tend to wield power differently than white folk wield power if so uh, what are those differences Uh, or are you of the mindset that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely never mind one's color gender or what have you. Great deal more to talk about uh, between now and the bottom of the hour with Sonia Pruitt on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. now. Sonia Pruitt, let me go directly to that question I posed a moment ago, and that is whether or not uh, in your experience as a high-ranking police official, you're now retired, as the former chair of the National Black Police Association and the founder of the Black Police Experience, um, what's your uh, your sense of whether or not black folk with power in law enforcement wield that power differently than white folk with power in law enforcement? <laughs> You've just given me something else to think about over the next couple of days. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty deep. I think... Um, 
I think it's actually the answer to that is actually both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that um, we black black people, of course, we're not a, a monolith. Sure. And neither are black police officers. But my experience has been I've seen black police officers have more empathy, mm. be more compassionate, mm-hmm. um, be more caring about the, the organization as a whole. Doesn't mean that some of them are not out there making foolish decisions like these black, I'm not sorry, these five black police officers mm-hmm. in Memphis. Um, I Historically, you know, we've been given power and because sometimes it's new and it's not easily given to us. And maybe it's not really real power. Maybe it's a perception that we're powerful, but we've never actually reached that, you know, the top of the mountain. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering whether or not, let me just be direct about this. I'm wondering whether or not across the nation we are hiring the wrong people to be cops. And let me unpack this just a, a bit here. I had as a guest on this program last Thursday an exclusive interview conversation with the chief of police in Los Angeles, uh, Michael Moore. The way things work in L.A. where this radio station is flagshipped, of course, heard across the nation, but flagshipped here in Southern California in L.A. The way it works in L.A., Sonia Pruitt, is that you get um, uh, the, you have the opportunity to have two, five, year terms consecutively it didn't used to be that way used to be police chief got in you couldn't get him out that happened in the daryl gates era speaking of the beating of rodney king uh daryl gates Mm. was chief then we had to fight like heck to get him out uh and so after that after the after the rodney king beating and the the riots the uprisings here in la the christopher commission comes in makes a number of recommendations for how to uh, improve policing in the city and one of the ways to do that uh, was to give uh, any police chief a five-year term. At the end of that five-year term, he or she can request, only he so far these days, historically only he's, uh, he can request the second five-year term, the police commission, the city attorney, the uh, city council, the mayor get involved in this. Um, but he, he has to request a second five-year term. So Michael Moore, the chief of LAPD right now, has requested a five-year term. So the city is in this major conversation about whether or not he has earned and deserves a second five-year term. He gave us an exclusive conversation for an hour, hour and five minutes, in fact. We went over last week uh, on Thursday in this studio. By the way, for those listening right now, um, the sheriff, uh, the new sheriff in L.A. County, will be our guest on Wednesday, another exclusive conversation. He's not sat for a talk radio interview either. Uh, and so uh, Sheriff Robert Luna will be our guest on Wednesday. So, Chief Michael Moore, if you missed that, go to any of our platforms. Check out the podcast. It was a powerful conversation. We put some tough questions to him. Check out Michael Moore on the podcast, and be sure to tune in for Sheriff Robert Luna uh, Wednesday morning in our first hour at 9 a.m. The point I raised this, though, Sonia, is because uh, in conversation with Chief Moore the other day, we were talking about how uh, some years ago LAPD relaxed its standards. Now, some of those uh, relaxations I supported because it opens up the door for more brothers and sisters to get in the door. On the other hand, mm-hmm. when you start relaxing standards, it raises questions about whether or not you're opening up the door to a pool of candidates who might not be the right people. When I watched, um, when I see this videotape, uh, when I see the way they treated um, uh, Tyree Nichols and, of course, murdered him in the end, um, two things jump out for me. Number one, that ain't the first time they did that, <laughs> number one. Uh, they they, no, they beaten no. somebody before, man. That, that ain't the first time somebody took a behind whooping from them, number one. Uh, but number two, I'm looking at this thinking, uh, are these the right folk? It's not. So my point is, this is not just a mistake they made. Uh, this is part of who they are. 
And I said in the first hour, I don't believe you can separate the individual from the institution. That is to say, you can't separate these five black cops, black though they may be, from the institution that produced them. But it raises fundamental questions mm. for me about whether or not we're hiring the right people these days. Your thoughts? Woo, you just said a mouthful, and you are you hit the nail on the head. Let's take a look at hiring. Mm-hmm. There's a certain type of person that police, law enforcement agencies have been hiring up until this point. You know, uh, you have psychological testing, but those tests are sh- kind of shallow. Mm-hmm. The tests that we really need to use are expensive, take a lot of resources, but I think it's worth the money. Those are not generally being used. Um, when you when you man these specialized units, there's a certain type of person you want in the unit. Mm-hmm. If it's a suppression unit, you want an officer who's young and aggressive. All of these officers had, what, five years or less on? Mm-hmm. That's incredible, especially not having any supervision. So, yes, it is really important that thought about who are we putting into police departments. I think it was Camden, New Jersey, who just leveled their police department and started all over and they started with hiring who are we putting in the uniform and if you want your job back you're gonna have to reapply for it Hmm. i love that thought i love that idea because we are putting the wrong people with this warrior mindset i know it's real cliche but it's true we don't need you to go out there and make it us versus them and you want to fight everybody and hey i got to get home at any cost that's not the person you want to put in a uniform Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what you think this uh, new reality, this conversation about the, the death, the murder of Tyree Nichols does to the issue of recruitment, specifically of black people to join police departments. I can see it both ways. I can see it mm-hmm. um, where young black men and women say, you know, that's the last thing I want to do, be a part of law enforcement. And I don't want to I'm, go- I'm not going anywhere near that as a career choice. On the other hand, mm-hmm. I've been around long enough to talk to a lot of black people older than me who decided to sign up for certain assignments in a number of industries because they knew that our presence was needed. They knew that we needed people who were just, who would mete out justice that was fair and equitable. They knew that they needed persons in these very spaces who understood the black experience and would represent black people well. So I can see this this particular moment working uh, one of two ways. Again, black folk don't want to go anywhere near the police academy. On the other hand, clearly we need some better black cops. Um, how do you think this is going to impact the recruitment of black folk in police departments? Mm. I think that where we are right now, uh, before this even happened, is that young black people do not want to be the police. I say that, and that's anecdotal because I'm just basing it on the conversations I have with my students at like Howard University. Mm-hmm. They're all becoming attorneys so that they can protect the people from the police. From the police, right? yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, that's right, yeah. they're not actually trying to become the police. Yeah. Um, and, and I have conversations about that with them because I say, listen, if you really want to make change, You might want to try it from the inside. I know how that must sound, but all of our systems in this country are oppressive, and they're all connected, and law enforcement is the law enforcement arm of all of those systems, the enforcement arm. 
And if you really want to change things, then someone's going to have to have the courage to step on the inside and learn how that system is working so that you can dismantle it. Yep. As a retired officer, um, how do you respond to the notion that people have raised, and they're right about this, uh, uh, as my grandmother, Big Mama, said, a broken clock can be right twice a day. That is to say, these cops <laughs> and what they did cannot be defended. What they did was indefensible, and yet... I think it's also true um, of those persons who make the following statement that these cops would not have been fired as swiftly as they were, would not have been charged with murder as swiftly as they were had they not been black because there are white cops in this city and beyond who are at desk right now, uh, other persons at home on paid leave while uh, investigations are underway for people they murdered, but these cops are already facing uh, murder charges and have already been fired. It happened rather swiftly. So how, what do you say to people who who advanced that notion that this wouldn't have happened uh, to them so swiftly were they not black officers? You know, that's a hard one for me only because uh, it was Chief Davis who made those decisions. Right. I think if Chief Davis had not been black, I don't think that they would ha have, well, <laughs> yeah. now you got me thinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's just say race plays a part in this, okay? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's what, I, that's what I answer that question with. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's a powerful point. Uh, the last thing for me on this, uh, we'll come back to this, I'm sure, in the days ahead. Um, it's going to be hard to get away from this, particularly as we just move into the phase where the trials start and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the long way to go here, and Ben Crump is going to make sure <laughs> that the city pays. And that's the sad part for me. I close on this note. I was thinking just last night that Tyree Nichols pays with his life. His family would never be able to close on his death like they close on a house. Um, mm. It puts another pall, another stain on the city of Memphis. They've already felt this for 50 years, 55 years to be exact, this year, 55 years ago. Dr. King was assassinated in Memphis. That put a pall, just a dark cloud over that city for years. And now they have this dark cloud hanging over the city of Memphis. But when all is said and done, the city of Memphis, I'm sure, will do right financially, Ben Crump's going to see to that, by the Tyree Nichols family. But you know where that money's coming from, right? The poor black residents of the city of Memphis. Mm -hmm. The payout is going to come from the taxpayer role. Mm -hmm. And so the people who've been harmed by these cops, Tyree Nichols is dead, but there are other black folk in Memphis who have been beaten by these cops in these units. And they're the ones who end up having to pay the bill when all this is said and done. So they lose on every single front. The citizens, the mm -hmm. black citizens of Memphis, I digress. We'll leave it there. Sonia, we'll have you back because this story ain't going nowhere, sadly. Um, but uh, thank you for your comments today. We'll, we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Good to have you on. Sonia Pruitt, former chair of the National Black Police Association, retired officer herself, founder of the Black Police Experience. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you've had it up to gear with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580.